Well, welcome to CLCC Online. Today, we pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We as a church believe that we are meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into our family. You can find everything you need at our website, clcc.ca. Enjoy. We've been in this series called Next Steps for a few weeks now, and this week we are wrapping it up. Now, through this series, we've talked about how we're looking to get people on the porch, this being their introduction to Jesus, into the living room and their interaction with one another. And this week, we're going to talk about going through the kitchen, which we're talking about how you can serve each other. Over these last few weeks, we've been looking at the story of, you know, the making of the Apostle Paul. Now, when we read about him in his letters, we see a guy taking this message around the known world, telling people about Jesus who's changed the way that everyone should do religion. But when he first came on the pages of the New Testament, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to share Jesus with anyone. He was actually trying to stamp this Jesus movement out. Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about how we all can take our next step in our relationship with Jesus. We know, we know that there needs to be some evolution in all of our relationships. And I might even say that there is no staying the same. You're either in a relationship where you're either growing closer or one where you're drifting apart. Now, drifting is really hard to notice, isn't it? You, you may not notice it day by day, but if you look at it over the years, you'll notice a huge distance in your relationship. And you'll notice that a huge distance has grown. I also know that you don't drift to a place that you've always wanted to be. You know, in, in other words, you don't get to where you want to be in a relationship by accident. It takes work. And figuring out what the next step is in all of our relationships, especially the relationship with Jesus, is always important. So if this is the first time you've been here in a long time, we have been going through Acts chapter 9 and talking about the radical transformation of Saul. What we've learned that the porch is where we first get Saul introduced to Jesus. In the first week, we talked how Saul was on his way to Damascus and he's going to arrest the followers of the way. He was going to stomp out this new movement. He thought that this was a terrible sect and they, he thought he was, they were messing up his religion. But he was brought onto the porch. He was introduced to Jesus and now he wants everyone to have an experience with Jesus. And we encouraged you. You need to find someone in your life and invite them to a place where they might hear about Jesus for the first time. And it might be your porch. <laughs> when we, then we talked about the living room. The, the living room is a place where you get to know one another. You, you can speak into each other's lives. We saw Saul, who has people surround him during a tough time in his life. They helped him out, but he also helped them out as well. There was this give and take. People had his back and he had something to contribute as well. Now, we found that the living room is, is something you belong to, not just something you attend. So last week, we encouraged you to find a living room experience where you might not just attend, but you might belong. Now, this week, 
our next step this week is we're inviting you to go through the kitchen and to be a servant. I don't know about your kitchen, but in our kitchen, in the, our kitchen is the place where things get done. It's things where the whole family gets nourished. Now, yes, yeah, conversations happen. Relationships are built. We have fun. But the bottom line is things that happen in the kitchen, they're, they're actionable items. Things get done in the kitchen. <laughs> we actually have this unspoken rule that if you're just in the kitchen to talk, you're just taking up space. You're just getting in, you're just getting in the way. Because if there's no action, people wouldn't get fed in my house. So the kitchen is the ultimate source of nourishment. Now, I've also realized something about the kitchen. That in my house, the kitchen is the room where we have invested the most money. It's the most expensive room in the whole house. There's, there's actually lots of other rooms that we could do without. You know, we have four bathrooms. We could probably do with a few less bathrooms. But without the kitchen, it wouldn't really be the home, would it? Now here... In our church, being in the kitchen looks like you taking your giftings and using them to serve others and seeing growth happen. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to be a great investment. The bottom line is, without the kitchen, there's no growth. So let's keep that in mind as we look at getting through to the kitchen this week. If you're going to get through the kitchen, it's going to cost you something. And we'll point that out today as we go through our story. So let's continue our story. This story that we've been in for four weeks now. If you remember last week, as we wrapped up last week, we read about Saul in Damascus preaching in the synagogues. And it's not just preaching in the synagogues, but he's trying to keep away from those who wanted him dead. But when we left Saul last week, we see him being lowered in a basket to safety by these unnamed heroes with people holding the rope. And last week, in essence, we asked you, who's holding your rope and whose rope are you holding? Now, when we pick up the story today, we're going to see that Saul is in Jerusalem, and that's over 200 kilometers away. Now, that's quite the trip for that day. So let's pick up this story in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Yeah. Before Saul had this interaction with the risen Jesus, Saul was on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus. You know, this happened just at the beginning of this chapter. He was heading to Damascus to arrest the followers of the way to bring them back to Jerusalem for a trial. Now, after some time, he's heading back to that city, back to Jerusalem. But this time, He's doing something very different than what he first thought he might be doing. Now, I find it interesting that the believers were still afraid of Saul. Poor, poor Saul. I wonder, I wonder how long this suspicion had to last, that, that he was there only to hurt him. In Paul's letter to the Galatian church, he says that he spent about three years in Damascus. It's been three years Three years talking about how Jesus has changed his life. Three years sharing with anyone who would be willing to listen that Jesus is the Messiah. Three years of risking his own life. Do they really think that Saul is playing the long undercover spy game? He's fooling everyone who's, who he's, he's come into contact with over these last three years? Well, let's keep reading in verse 27. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul, 
He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Now, Saul probably told this story. Saul has a story. But how many stories have we heard? And we hear it and we know that's made up. They only knew of Saul as the guy who looks for Christians to hurt them. You probably wouldn't believe his story either. Now, what Saul needs is someone credible. He needs that friend who knows both groups of people that's going to come alongside of him and say, you know, what he's saying is true. Here we see something. We see someone serving someone where it costs them something. We see where this, we're going through the kitchen, it's costing someone something. Remember, the kitchen is an expensive room. Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles. And don't forget who Saul was. Saul would have had a reputation. Saul would have been feared. But Barnabas, he speaks up for Saul. Hey, guys, I I know his reputation. I know what he did to Stephen in Jerusalem, but he's changed. Trust me. Now, in the first century, if you hung out with someone, you'd be taking on their ideas. In a way, you'd be identifying with them, saying, this is my people. So with Barnabas backing Saul, this may have been costing him his reputation. One thing that Barnabas was not willing to do is just to stand to the side to see how this is going to work out with Saul, and it would cost him nothing. But he was willing to have it cost something. Barnabas is taking his influence and making a difference in someone else's life by serving someone. Barnabas was moved into the kitchen to help. He made an investment. It cost him something. His reputation was at risk. But let's keep reading in verse 28. So Saul stayed there with the apostles and went around Jerusalem with them. He was preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Do you see a theme forming here with people just wanting to kill Saul? What is, what is with Saul? Why is it that everywhere he goes, he makes friends, but he also runs into people who want to hurt him? Now, there was something controversial about Saul, way more threatening than these other guys. Uh, I think it's because he was better at debating than the others. There was, there was, someone, there was fi- someone finally there who could debate with these trained thinkers. But no matter where Saul went, He would challenge the way people would think. He would say things and do things that would tick the religious people off. They didn't like him because he challenged them. He challenged the way that they had always thought. Verse 30, when the believers heard about this, that Saul was being threatened to die again, when, when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. These believers were looking out for Saul. When they heard that Saul's life was endangered, they helped him out. Luke writes that they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him away to Tarsus. These friends of Saul were looking out for their friend. They were were serving him, giving him maybe not what he wants, but what he needs. It's protection. These people stepped out for their friend and it cost them something. You know, as I read this story, I wonder a few things. How much did this cost them financially? They took him down to Caesarea and then they sent him off to Tarsus. These trips probably weren't free. It probably cost them something financially. But more importantly, it probably cost them a relationship. Just think about those days when, when people would travel, when people would move, they, they wouldn't be able to catch up on a phone call or Zoom or social media. When they said goodbye to Saul, I wonder if they ever thought, 
maybe we'll never see him again. That would have been that would have been a hard sacrifice. They gave up an important relationship. Serving Saul cost them something. I wonder. I also wonder what problems that these believers had in their lives at the time, and and, and if there was any any resentment. You know, Saul, why are you getting into trouble again? Can't you stop saying those things that just tick people off? So it's going to cost us to help you out. For you getting in trouble, it's costing us all. Don't you know about the inflation problem we're facing? So my investments this week went down 10%. So I just put $1,000 for my kids to play hockey in the fall this, this week. Saul, so do you think you'd come up with a better time to get into trouble? If we're talking about timing, you know, your timing is way off. This is really bad timing. I have so much to do at work. And this weekend, I was planning to take my trailer to the storage place. But they paid the price. They knew that when they served someone, it was going to cost them something. Now, I know that this last step through the kitchen is the hardest step. Sometimes it's the hardest because it's not about you. You are doing something for someone else. It's going to cost you something. But without it, if no one takes this last step, nothing happens. No growth happens. Nothing happens around here. No growth happens around here. If they hadn't taken that next step in serving their friend Saul, the growth of the church wouldn't have been what it was. So, As we wrap up this series this weekend, I want to share with you three things from what I've learned from being through the kitchen. First thing is Jesus set the example. In the world that Jesus lived in, the powerful had servants. There were things that a servant would do that someone of means would never do. Jesus had a different idea. He wanted this upside down kind of kingdom where he served the people around him. Many of us have heard when Jesus took the attitude of a servant and washed the disciples' feet. That would have been done at the time by the lowliest of servants. Jesus also said in Mark chapter 10, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Never mind the fact that we're not just dealing with an amazing man. But, but someone who did some amazing things, we're dealing with God here, the creator of the whole world. But as Paul would write to the church at Philippi, Jesus emptied himself and took on the role of a servant. Jesus laid down his rights and served others. So what does it look like for you to lay down some of your rights and get through the kitchen and serve those beside you? So Jesus modeled it. Number two, each of us, each of us has something to offer. Each of us has something to offer. In our world, it, it's easy to see what others have because they always plaster it on social media, don't they? You get the highlights of people's lives and everything looks better than what you have, right? Their house seems bigger and it's cleaner. They take better vacations than you and they never seem to fight. You might look at that person that you follow on social media and think they have it all together and we fall into this comparison trap. They might have something to offer. They might have something to give. They have all these gifts where, you know, they can do something special, but you feel like you don't have anything to offer. Now, Peter, who may have not have had all the gifts of Saul. Now, remember, he wasn't educated like Saul. He was a fisherman. He caught fish. But he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Peter probably didn't write this from having it all. He probably wrote it from having very little, but using everything he had. We see this time and time again in different narratives. You, you, might not what you, have, you might not have what the other person sitting beside you has, but you have something to offer, something to give. And number three, serving. It will do something for you. Years after this whole story, we just talked to what happened. And Saul has started his missionary journeys and he's now known as Paul. Paul is back again in Jerusalem, but this time he's in chains. He's been arrested. People have caught up to him. And Paul says this in Acts chapter 20. I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul set the example. He worked hard to help those in need. And now he quotes Jesus. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We often interpret that as getting something back. Paul doesn't tell us what Jesus would give us. He does say that when you serve, you will be blessed. Now, I'm not here to promise you that if you serve or give to your church, that all your problems will go away or you'll be filthy rich. But hear me, serving someone, getting into the kitchen, going through to the kitchen will do something for you. Might be different things for different people. As you serve with others, God might give you great friends. <laughs> I know that a great way to get to know people is to serve beside them. Great, great relationships are made when you're shoulder to shoulder with someone. It's, this is especially true with men. So men, if you're looking to make some great friends, serve somewhere. Maybe it, it, it will help you see the way that God sees others. Maybe you giving will help you live not the me first lives that our society is pulling us toward. But when you serve, it sure gives us a much different perspective than just us. What is it going to take for you to get through the kitchen and serve? I heard a story once of someone moving into a neighborhood from across the country. A great neighbor decided to invite this new family over for a Friday night dinner just, just to get to know them. And they did it up. This family spent their Thursday night cleaning their house. They get steak, they get potatoes and fresh veggies. No expense spared. They, they really want to let this new family know how much they love having them move into their neighborhood. They head to bed that Thursday night excited about having this new family over the next day. But you know what? They're already tired and the event hasn't even happened yet. They get, they get home early from work the next day and they, they immediately get into gear and doing the final prep to welcome their new neighbors. But they have such a great evening. It's worth it all. The, the stakes are perfect. The two families get along. They, they feel this excitement, this excitement that they could be having really close friends living next door. As the evening comes to a close, the new neighbors are so thankful. The, the, these new neighbors tell them, you know, tell them how hard it is to make new friends in a brand new city. They're grateful. Just as they head out the door, late that Friday night, almost early Saturday morning, these new neighbors say, thanks so much for having us tonight. Let's, let's, let's do it again. What's your schedule like next week? 
Now, it seemed a little forward, but since both families had such a great time, the host agreed, yeah, okay, let's do it again next week. The next week, they do it all over again. They clean the house. It is spotless Thursday night. Friday night, they go through the same routine. It's Friday night. The second week is wrapping up. They've had such a great time. This relationship is going somewhere. Now it's getting late and the new neighbors are about to head out again. And they say, you guys are so good at this. You're so hospitable. We love coming to your place. It's, your place is always clean. And the steaks you buy are always amazing. Can we come over next week? At what point? At what, point do these new, what, at what point do these new neighbors stop being new and start being a part of the neighborhood? At what point do these two families have a conversation about contributing to being a good neighbor and not just being a neighbor? At what point are they invited through to the kitchen to serve? Some of you heard that story and some of you might be thinking, no one would ever do this to a neighbor. We would, we would never do this to our neighbors. You might never do this to your neighbors, but are you doing this to your church? Are you someone who's been here for years? You, you enjoy our stakes. <laughs> you love worshiping with us. Your kids love the kids ministry. Your teens are really learning about Jesus and they, they have a great time during our midweek experiences. You even notice as you walk into our buildings that they're clean and you notice that we're happy to see you each and every week. Maybe your next step is going to cost you. And, and it's for you to get through the kitchen. Let me pray for you today. Father, we are so grateful that you are always wanting, drawing us closer to you. You are always wanting us to take the next step towards you. So as we wrap up this series, God, I pray each and every one who is watching this today would really understand that there is a next step for everyone. And this week, we're encouraging them to get involved, to go through the kitchen, Help us to see the areas that we have a gifting in, that we can go and serve in, maybe not, maybe not in, in our church, but also our lives. So God, we thank you and praise you for the gifts you've given us. Help us to use them to see your message advance. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're interested and you want a little bit more about what next step we have to offer for you, you can always visit our website at clcc slash next dash steps for how you can get onto the porch, into the living room, and the last one through the kitchen. Ephesians chapter thir- three, verse 20 and 21 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you back here next week. Well, thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Alder Grove campus meets at Alder Grove Community Secondary School at 1030, and our Abbotsford campus has three services at 830, 10, and 1130 on Sundays. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. And if you would like to financially support us at CLCC, you can always give at clcc.ca slash give. Have a great week.